It's time to get more facts about the vax. Let's get some myths debunked on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. You know, I find myself when I'm doing these podcasts uh, at the end wanting to tell a little bit about what's been going on in our lives and in our ministry and even here on Pushback. And then I sometimes forget because I get so, as you probably know by now, worked up and into the topic. So I'm going to start this podcast by just telling you a little bit of some things that are happening so that I don't forget. Uh, First of all, as I mentioned before, we have changed and updated the platform for Pushback uh, because of its growth and the responses by, by my listeners. Uh, Some people have uh, discussed with me that it's been a little bit difficult finding some things. And so we have uh, started uh, our own pod, excuse me, our own email address, pushbackculture.org. If you go to pushbackculture.org, it gives you all of the uh, most current episodes as well as archived episodes of the audio podcast as well as the visual YouTube videos that are available. So it makes that super easy. You also can contact us uh, through uh, gofam.org as well as our Facebook page. Um, And you can find that easily as well. So there's links on all of those sites. So hopefully it'll be very easy not only to find what we're talking about this week, but things that we've talked about in the past or things that I've referenced in the past. So uh, also, as you, as I mentioned about a month ago, uh, we have our Powerhouse Family Course. Uh, this is a very much of a life message for my wife and I as we have gone forward delivering family messages and ministering in the realm of family. Uh, and it's an eight uh, series, eight messages uh, called the Powerhouse Family Course. And, uh, you know, if you went out on the street and you randomly polled people, and if you asked the average American on the street, do you think family is important? You're going to get pretty close to 100% yes on that question. I think everybody would feel that family is important. If you ask them, do you think your family is important? Uh, you might get a little bit of a lower percentage. I, I would still think it would be high, but some people would be thinking about maybe some dysfunction in their family or pain from the past and not quite so sure if their family is important. But then if you ask the question, why is your family important? I think that would become a lot harder for people to answer. And that's really our heart behind the powerhouse family course. This isn't just to wave a flag to say that, hey, family is important, but this is actually to go back to the very heart of the Father and to release an ancient truth and unlock wisdom and truth in regards to family. And I will promise you this, it is way bigger than you think it is. And so I remember my son, who's a cinematographer, storyteller, he asked me, you know, what is your why? What is the why of GoFam Ministries? 
And I told him, I feel like it's, I almost want to take people by the shoulders and shake them and say, it's time to wake up to the full destiny and potential that's in every family. As family goes, so goes the culture. How many times have you heard me say that over uh, this first season plus uh, of pushback? So Powerhouse Family Course. We have it as single family licenses on online. Uh, it's an online course now that you can do in the comfort and the timing of your own home. Uh, it's self-paced, but we also have a group license. So if you want to do it as a small group, Sunday school curriculum, or even at church, it's something that can be easily ordered and done online. So please look into that. However, as of February, February 1st, which I think was yesterday, I'm recording this on Tuesday, we have now released our Ultimate Marriage course online as well. Uh, this is something that we've been uh, rolling out now, trying to get ready, uh, especially right before Valentine's Day. <laughs> and uh, it's super powerful. You know, really, when we talk about family dynamic and family culture, it starts really with our marriages. And you, you know, talking about transforming culture, if you want to transform culture, strengthen your marriage. Do you want to give the best gift you could ever give to your children and give them the best chance of succeeding in life? Then strengthen your marriage. And once again, this course is not a typical marriage course. This digs deep and pulls out the gold that actually reflects heaven itself. And marriage was the ultimate reflection of heaven here on this earth. Vanessa, who is a regular listener, wrote on our Facebook page when she heard this course was coming out, and she's actually a, a veteran of this course, had gone through it. She, she wrote that it's way, I think there were like five or six A's, way better than a box of chocolates. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Valentine's Day is coming. What a great gift to give to each other. The ultimate marriage course. It's on, online uh, that you can do, again, self-paced as a couple, do a small groups, uh, Bible study groups, Sunday school. There are group and uh, single family licenses. I've got such great responses here starting out in season number two. Um, Myrna, uh, in responding to Woke Up and Smell the Coffee, my podcast, she said that she loved it. Uh, she loved the pushback today. She said, I hit on so many fronts and gave answers. So Myrna, thank you for your kind words. And that's my heart. I don't want to just complain. That's not what this podcast is about, is just to complain about our culture. That doesn't help push back. That doesn't solve anything. So my heart is to try to give some real solutions for the Christian community here on this earth as ambassadors of heaven so that we can move forward and actually transform culture. And one of the ways to do that is just to learn the language of engaging culture learning the language of speaking with honor so that we can create real change here on this earth. Today, I'm talking about facts about the vax. I've done this, I think this is my fifth or sixth installment, uh, because as COVID hit in 2020 and, and rocked all of our worlds, uh, there was always that hope on the horizon that perhaps a vaccine would come. Now that the vaccine is starting to get rolled out, I received both of my shots uh, in the month of January. Uh, once the vaccine has rolled out, there has been uh, a, uh, a pushback, can I use that word, of concern and questions regarding the vaccine itself. And so I want to put my medical hat on uh, as well as uh, just my caring for you and your family to con continue to answer your questions and your concerns. 
you will have found in my previous installments about facts about the vax that I am a proponent of the vaccine. I believe it's really an answer uh, through human ingenuity, through the grace and, and wisdom and insight of our Heavenly Father to give us an answer to really get over and end this craziness that's affecting our society. And I believe this vaccine is a, an important step in that direction. I know many are opting to take a wait-and-see approach. Um, well, the truth of the matter is, is this vaccine is probably not going to be available to the general public for at least probably two or three more months as it is trying to roll out as effectively and safely as possible. Uh, so you have some time to become as informed as you can. So when the vaccine is available, you can make an informed decision for you and your family. And I want to make very clear, because as I've talked to people about this, and I've certainly heard many, many concerns uh, in both directions, that I would never be a proponent of doing something that you don't have peace about. This is a family decision. I would never uh, uh, recommend that this be mandated. Uh, I feel like you should have peace about it. I will also say, Please don't do anything out of fear. Don't push any decision, any life decision, through a filter of fear. So we want peace. We want to operate not in a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. That's what the Lord has, has recommended that we do. It's the higher way of living, and it's his way of living. So I want to be part of that sound mind process so that we can think these things through. So I have created a, a uh, top 10 list uh, in deference to our friend David Letterman. This is my top 10 list of, of questions and concerns that people have had. I think that it's coming from a perspective that I think these are myths that can be debunked. And uh, that's my heart, is to address them respectfully and honorably. And uh, perhaps these are questions that you have had as well. So there's a uh, listener named Lorna who has actually sent a, a, a well-crafted uh, email to me. Uh, and that's going to be my first question that I'm going to address here today. It's in regards to the concern that the COVID vaccine could possibly cause infertility. And, and it comes from a perspective uh, initially uh, brought up by a German doctor and epidemiologist. His name is Wolfgang Woodgard. Uh, I think I said that wrong. Woodarg is his name. And he's been skeptical, skeptical about vaccines from the very beginning, even in, in terms of other pandemics that have occurred. Um, so I would argue that he is a little bit biased from that perspective. But he brought up the issue about the protein. If you recall, I've spoken before about the protein that's coded uh, through the mRNA uh, in the vaccine. And uh, it's called uh, synth synthetin. One, now I say that three times fast, uh, and this is the protein that is made of which your immune system reacts to, uh, and it's a protein uh, similar uh, to the spike protein on the coronavirus. And so it, it creates and reacts to uh, your cells create this protein, which then your immune system responds to. You don't have to react to the whole virus itself, just this protein. Your immune system creates an immune response to it. Uh, and you then have create, created an immunity if your body is ever exposed to the virus itself. That's how vaccines work. But there was some concern that this specific protein, this, this syncytin-1, uh, was also very similar to a protein found in the human placenta. 
And so there was some concern if the vaccine is given and that we would have an immune response to that protein that it would also attack the placenta. So this, uh, this idea was actually introduced by this uh, German doctor and, of course, uh, has gone viral uh, in a lot of the social media. And there have been very much uh, well-concerned people wanting sort of an answer to this very specific question. And there were some concerns that maybe this, I, I, this vaccine would have been deployed for population control, uh, some deeper uh, sinister plan to this. Now, let's be super clear, and I hope this helps uh, sort of debunk this myth about this problem, that the coronavirus's spike protein and syncytin number one share very small stretches of genetic code. But it's a not enough to, not actually anywhere close, to make them a match. The analogy that I heard and I've read as I've dug into this and even checked into the Mayo Clinic and their stance on this, is that it would be like two people having phone numbers that both contain the number seven. And then you couldn't dial one number to reach the other person if that's the only information that you have. It's as though their phone numbers just shared one digit. So that gives you a little bit kind of a, a perspective of how unlike these proteins really are. But you may say, well, you know, maybe that's still enough to cause problems. But here's, here's what's really important to understand, and hopefully I can explain this well to you. When the vaccine, uh, uh, the mRNA vaccine codes for this very specific protein, it's the actual protein that is found in the actual virus. So this isn't some sort of manufactured protein that's similar. No, it's the actual protein, spike protein that's on the virus. And so people will say, well, it hasn't certainly been tested on the vaccine itself hasn't been tested on pregnant women, and nor would they, because obviously because of the liability and issues. However, we can look, obviously, at the infection itself. And we have a huge number of population that has already contracted COVID-19. It's actually somewhere in the realm of 22 million people that have been tested and found to be positive. But the real number scientists are predicting is probably three times higher than that. People who have had it, never been tested, or never tested positive. So let's just say, conservatively, there are 70 million Americans who have actually probably been infected with coronavirus. That's about 20% of the population have actually been exposed to the virus that actually contains this protein, this syncytin one protein. So we actually have a huge number of people that have actually, in effect, been tested with the vaccine, if that makes sense. They've already been exposed to this protein, already have antibodies to this protein, very similar as if they were vaccinated. And there is absolutely no evidence that this pandemic has at all changed fertility patterns. Zero evidence. No change in fertility patterns. So this is probably the best evidence of them all that this myth is debunked because we have this huge number. Now, I will say this, and this is important to understand, that being infected with COVID-19 itself does carry some risk for pregnant women. And the main risk for pregnant women is preterm labor. 
It hasn't shown to cause any problems with birth defects or, or pro other problems in the pregnancy, but preterm labor, very small percentage increase in those who've actually been infected with the virus itself. Now, there have been thousands who have also, tens of thousands have been tested, have been um I can't use the word serendipitously because I think we know where babies come from, but they have been tested uh, for the vaccine and subsequently during that testing period have become pregnant. <laughs> so those people can be tested as well and there have been no issues with infertility or problems. So I think we can safely say and the Mayo Clinic would conclude as well that this has absolutely um, no concerns or problems uh, in regards to fertility going forward, going forward. So hopefully that helps, and hopefully that helps answer, answer that question. So I promised a top 10 list. So let's go into a few others that will actually recap some of the things that I talked before about. So I will hit them on briefly, but I again want to hopefully put people's mind at ease. I want to spend a little bit more time on that infertility question uh, because it was most more more of a recent concern and I haven't had uh, the opportunity to address that on previous podcasts. So these will go through just a little bit quicker. Uh, number two, the COVID vaccine is not safe because it was rapidly developed and tested. Now, as I explained before, uh, it was hot-tracked. It was fast-tracked. It was done at warp speed was the name of things. It doesn't mean that they cut corners in the testing or the development of the vaccine itself. It's just that it went to the very top of the list, so there would be no bureaucratic red tape that would slow down the process at all. Uh, there, they, The Pfizer vaccine, which came out first, was studied in approximately 43,000 people. That's a pretty good number uh, of people being tested for this, and of course, the, the initial Initial studies showed such promise and immune response that again they were able to keep things moving forward. Uh, so the companies did not bypass any safety pr protocols um, and they did perform adequate testing uh, for this vaccine. And so again, it was the things that slow the process of vaccine development that were uh, moved through quicker. The bureaucratic uh, bureaucratic red tape um, that comes. And of course, the COVID-19 vaccine will continue to be monitored closely by the CDC and the FDA uh, as we go forward and certainly flagged if there's any concerns or problems. Uh, but so far, things are looking great uh, and the responses have been wonderful. Uh, myth number three, I've already had COVID-19 and I have recovered, so I don't need to get the COVID-19 vaccine when it's available. Well, that actually describes me. Uh, my, myself and my family actually went through COVID in November, um, but I also did proceed uh, with vaccination and had zero side effects. And I mean zero, maybe a little bit of soreness where the injection site was, but I had no other uh, um, side effects from that. And, and we don't know how long the, the uh, protection of actually getting the virus itself, the immune protection. But we were thinking that it's right around three to four months. It's not very long, unfortunately. And that's called natural immunity. And so we don't know. We are fairly confident that the vaccinated immunity will last much longer. We don't know how long that will be either. And that will continue to need to be studied going forward. Uh, however, it uh, it's it's, it, the early evidence suggests that natural immunity from COVID-19 just doesn't last very long. And so we need to get vaccinated in addition to it so that the length of time that we are safe uh, is increased. That's super, super important. 
Myth number four, there are side effects of the COVID-19 vaccines. Well, as I just uh, gave my experience uh, that there were actually zero, uh, that's not what people are seeing all around the nation. There are side effects, uh, but they are lasting for a day or two. And it's headaches, chills, fatigue, muscle pain, which are actually indicators that your immune system is working. And so we almost can't even call those side effects because this is what we would expect to see. And of course, the side effects are minimal in relation to the actual um, uh, uh, getting of the COVID-19 virus itself. That is not benign. And I, I can give you firsthand accounts of people who have not done very well on COVID-19 and have actually taken their lives. So we need to understand that, that the side effects are short-lived they are minor and, uh, and relative to the actual contraction of the virus, uh, negligible. Number five, more people will die as a result of a negative side effect of COVID-19 vaccine than would actually die from the virus. Now, this concern is coming from the fact that the actual mortality rate of a COVID-19 infection is really quite low. Now, why that is true, um, meaning the mortality rate is, you know, again, around that 2 to 3% somewhere in that neighborhood, um, that seems very low. And perhaps you could argue huh, that doesn't qualify the general population from getting to get vaccinated. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that um, compared to even the seasonal flu, uh, it's about 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. And it's important to recognize that getting a vaccine isn't just about survival. It's about preventing the spread of the virus to others. That's why we are in these lockdowns that are continuing to come down from politicians. Another podcast for another day. Uh, but but the, the preventing infection, we're actually preventing infection that can lead to long-term negative health effects and societal consequences. And so the, the, the vaccine itself is actually helping us get back to normalcy. And I think that's super, super important. Number six, the COVID-19 vaccine was developed to control the general population, either through microchip tracking or nanotransducers in our brain. Um, I can say with complete certainty that there is no vaccine microchip. Vaccines will not track people. This myth started after the comments were made by Bill Gates from the Gates Foundation about a digital certificate of vaccine records. The te technology he was referring to uh, was not a microchip and has not been implemented in any manner or tied to the development or distribution of COVID-19 COVID vaccines. Uh, number seven, COVID-19 vaccines will alter my DNA. I addressed this in detail in a previous uh, podcast, but let me just summarize. This is messenger mRNA that, um, that instructs cells in the body to make a protein that triggers an immune response. It absolutely does not enter the nucleus of your cell or alter your DNA in any way. And this genetic material that goes into the cell gets broken down and recycled. It does not stay or linger. Number eight. Uh, COVID-19 vaccines were developed using fetal tissue. I addressed this very early on uh, when we even heard that vaccines were being developed because this was very, very important to me personally uh, because you know my stance about abortion uh, or using any fetal tissue for uh, experimentation. And uh, because of this, I looked into this in great detail, and I can say with all certainty that neither of the early vaccines that are being used, uh, fetal cells were not used in the development, production of either vaccine, in either vaccine. 
Number nine, I'm allergic, allergic to eggs, so I shouldn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, both the Pfizer uh, and Moderna vaccines, uh, neither of them were contained with eggs or egg whites uh, used in these at all. Uh, so they usually have you stay 30 minutes after vaccination just to make sure that you don't have uh, any reaction. And of course, reactions can be treated uh, and taken care of. Uh, but in this case, uh, in regards to eggs, that is not a concern at all. And number 10, COVID-19 vaccines must be stored at extremely low temperatures because of the preservatives in the vaccines. Uh, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have no preservatives have no preservatives. They are kept at a very low temperature because the mRNA genetic material uh, is very fragile. And so it needs to be stored and kept at very low temperatures uh, and which keeps them stable and safe and also keeps them not having to require preservatives. So this is why they're stored at such low temperatures, uh, which makes transportation and distribution very tricky. Uh, and I even heard on the news, unfortunately, this last week that there were some places where the maintenance man unfortunately unplugged uh, some of the freezer uh, and thousands of vaccines were rendered useless. And you hear stories about this and just makes your heart sink as people are on a waiting list trying to get this vaccine so they can move forward with their lives. So these are top 10 uh, myths that hopefully I helped debunk uh, and, and, and hopefully gave you just some real solid, stable answers. But guess what? I am more than open to further questions or concerns that you might have. And I would just say, don't go into this thought process of all the reasons why you don't want to get the vaccine. Because <laughs> you can find reasons. You can find myths. You can find stories on Facebook and other social media that would try to dissuade you, but try to dig for reasonable truth, the truth, uh, and the truth will set us all free. <laughs> so I ask you to lean into those things. Um, but again, these are my opinions and my perspectives. I would love to hear your opinions and your perspectives on why you are or are not choosing to take the vaccine. And I would love to discuss these things with you uh, because it's important that we do. So thanks for listening again to Facts About the Vax as we go forward and make decisions about this important topic in this strange time in which we live. So this is Dr. Johnny again. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's go together to set and shape the culture.